Man, you wrote that song, bro, that first one, that you will not let us go thing, right? That was beautiful. Yeah, I guess you could say that. He wrote that. Man, yeah. We got, we got people in the house who, uh, who can worship. Now, I got a text yesterday from um, John Hammonds. You know John now? John's the, uh, John and Marlena from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. I always say John Hammonds, you know, in that low southern voice. And hopefully it's going to open up. He sent me this text at 3.24. A friend of mine has two tickets for the 2017 Super Bowl. John is a generous guy, you've got to understand. And uh, with bo- both box seats, he paid $2,500 for each ticket. But he didn't realize that last year when he bought them, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding. <laughs> if, if you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. Are you kidding me? Forget you guys next week, man. I'm at the Super Bowl. Until I got the next text. They said, it's at St. Joseph Church in New Orleans, 3 p.m. Her name is Amanda. She's 5'2", 130 pounds. She's a good cook, and she'll be the one in the white dress. That's the one. Uh, if you're interested, you can take my place. I don't know. I, I texted him back and said, yeah, I'll have to talk to Glenn about that. I was just about at the biggest party all year long. I mean, even though it is uh, New England and Atlanta, and I could really don't care about either one of those that much, especially New England. But the Super Bowl is the biggest party of the year, at least calorie-wise, right? We know that. And uh, last year, how was last year? Uh, who cares about this year, right? Last year was something, man. That party was at one of the, it was the biggest party. Now, if you were like... Uh, uh, me and the guys I was uh, watching with, uh, we thought we would just have good food, uh, great drinks, a good time, because we were going to get killed. But then, like, come uh, mid-third uh, quarter, this could work out. This could work out. And then by mid-fourth quarter, I think we're going to win this thing. And then we won. The Broncos won. It was, it was pandemonium where I was at. Chris Clark, we were at Chris Clark's house. Where are you, Chris? Uh, he was here earlier. We, he, he runs up to his light switch, <laughs> flicking his outside lights as fast as he can. I mean, everybody thinks there's a power outage. And he does it till the lactic acid builds up so much that he can't. He was just an absolute spaz. I'm going downtown. And then he just <laughs> leaves, you know. I mean, absolute total celebration. And, uh, I mean, it was a good party. And I don't know. It's going to be a long time till there's one, one like that. But, but don't you just love a good party? I mean, that was, uh, that was a fun time. Uh, might be a while, but uh, we are built to love a good party. That actually is what we're talking about today, uh, fathers and feasts, right out of Luke 15. Um, we've been in Luke 15 the last couple of weeks on this series called Lost and Found, and there's been uh, three characters, we've talked about two of them already, uh, that are in the, in the portion here, or when we call the prodigal son, uh, this part. We talked about the younger brother, we talked about the older brother first, but then we talked about the younger brother last week. We'll switch it around this time. And the younger brother, he was that guy, you know, we're just doing some review here, who goes to his father and says, uh, I want my portion of the inheritance. And so the father gives it to him. Uh, we all know that that was a complete disrespect of his dad. Not only that, he was reckoning his dad as dead. 
uh, because that's what you, you get an inheritance after a person dies. So uh, he gets that. He goes off. You already know. Uh, he goes to Vegas or the beach, and he uh, uh, spends that all, uh, ends up being in a pig pen, and decides he's coming home. So you got that guy. You got the older brother who we talked about two weeks ago. He's the guy who's been home all along. He's the guy who's been doing everything right, obeying all the rules. He says, I obeyed everything you said. And uh, we talked about him. In fact, he's as far away, even though his proximity is close, as the younger brother. This should have been called the parable of the lost sons instead of just the prodigal son, right? Because it's about two sons that were lost, which, of course, this was very controversial to the people who were listening because, well, it was really great news if you were a sinner, a tax collector, or a Republican. It was really bad news um, if you were a Pharisee, scribe, or teacher of the law. So we've had those two characters. But actually, those two characters are not the, the real focus of the uh, parable that Jesus is trying to say. Obviously, they're important. They're key to the story. But the other one, the third one, uh, which is even more important, is the father. When you go back to the first parable about the lost sheep, uh, it's not so much about what the sheep did, it's what, about what the shepherd did, right? When you go to the next one about the coin, the coin didn't do anything. It's the woman who drops everything to find that and then celebrates that she finds it. When you, go to, when you get to these brothers right here, uh, the amazing thing is not so much uh, uh, the, uh, the two brothers and how uh, lost they are. It's the activity and actions and character of the Father that's presented to us. It's absolutely fascinating what Jesus is doing here as he presents the Father uh, in this crowd that he's in. Uh, you and I, we've had uh, decades, uh, actually millennia, to think about uh, what the implications of this parable are. When he spoke it to the people who heard it, they were absolutely shocked. First of all, they were shocked about, there was a big gasp on all of them when that younger son would say to his dad, I reckon you is dead. You're dead to me. Give me the money. But what is even more profound is that the father did it. That was a real mess. Uh, in, in, in Jewish culture, you couldn't even say Yahweh, the name of God. And here Jesus is talking about a father who actually gives uh, to a son who's going to take it all and squander it. We get some great insight into the father uh, in this parable. We get some great insight. Some of it I uh, uh, saw from uh, Tim Keller. Some of it from Dan Self. Probably more from Dan Self than Tim Keller. He might be a bigger deal than Tim Keller. I don't know. But, uh, man, he just hands me this and says, check these, check these thoughts out. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So some of this stuff, I just really, I love it. And uh, especially around who the Father is and what the Father does here. You know, we often call uh, this the prodigal son, right? The prodigal's not in the Bible. Uh, that's a word we use for this son that's uh, left. It literally means spendthrift, spend extravagantly, spend without, uh, with abandon. Now, what's interesting, if you see what this Father is doing in here, you're going to see uh, a different kind of prodigal here. This, father, this, this son comes uh, to the, the father and says, uh, I would like my inheritance. Give me my share of my inheritance. And he divided the property between both of them. And then later on, after this son comes back, he says, 
he, he, he kills the fatted calf. He takes out a ring. He takes out a robe, puts it on there, and says we had to celebrate. Our lost son is now alive. Uh, what was lost is now found. Your brother of yours is dead and is alive again. What you get is a picture of a father who will spend everything. First of all, he'll let you go do everything. He lets the son go do everything. It would have been completely, uh, actually probable, that the father would turn and said, son, you just asked me for your inheritance? Get back to work. Or, what are you doing? Or, I don't know. Choose him out. But he lets him go. Isn't that something how uh, your heavenly father will let you go? Let you go and decide uh, how you want to be the God of your life, make your, in your freedom, do what you think is right, and he'll let you go. That's very expensive him for, to, for him to do. Imagine the pain. Some of you who have uh, some children who uh, have made some bad decisions, you know what this father's feeling. You know what it's like uh, to see them do things that are hurting themselves, but they have the freedom. He lets them do it. He gives you free will so that you can freely stay but you can freely go. And then, what did it cost him so that you could come back home? Well, it didn't just cost, it cost his son. He sent his son to come die in our place so that we could have a path back home. It cost him everything. See, it's prodigal God. It's a prodigal, prodigal father here who laid it all out and spent it all on you just because he loves you, just because. Now it's staggering. If a son came back and he had done all of that, uh, the stuff that he probably did, you know what happens in Vegas. It's, you know, it probably happened out there. What are you going to do when he comes back? What happened? How, how, where did you spend it all? What do you, you know what? You're going to have a talk, aren't you? You're going to talk what's your mindset. This father doesn't do any of that. This father doesn't even say anything to him. Have you seen that? He says, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And the father doesn't even say, yeah, you're right about that. He turns to the servant and says, get the fatted calf, get the robe, get the ring, put it on. My son's home. Do you think Paul might have got that? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ right from there. That's a crazy father that would welcome you back. Doesn't even ask him. It's more important to be with you than what you've done. To be with you than how you did it. To be with you wherever it was. It, it, he wants to be with you. That's like Daniel was saying because he says to the older brother, I was always with you. That's all he longs to do is be with you. It's a beautiful picture. He just wants to be with you. Yeah, but I've done this and I've done that. You would have you thought he would have just said, yeah, glad you're back. We'll figure it out, son. But he throws a party. I just want to be with you. That's all I want. Ooh, that is an incredible picture of grace and unconditional acceptance. Man, can you believe... Father God would do that? Yeah. That's what he just wants to be with you. He just wants his sons and daughters to be with him where he is. Now, it's not just that he wants to just be with you because he goes out to that older brother and he pleads with him. 
Please come in. Please come in. And you know what the older brother, we did that sermon two weeks ago, the older brother says, no, look, I've done everything right and you haven't given me anything and that guy did all that and uh, uh, leave me alone. I'm going to go out here and continue doing what I'm You never even gave me a lamb to eat with my friends. The father pleads him, come in. Not just, not just so that he could be with that older brother, but so that those two brothers could be with one another. You see, what God wants to do is bring his children home so that they can be with him and with one another. We love God and we love people. It's right there. There's a fellowship together that's supposed to happen as a result. He desires to be with you and for you to be with your brothers and sisters who have come home, whether you're far away or you're right at home with a hard heart. Come on home, that's what he's saying. It's about home. This theme of home is everywhere. The light is on for you. Come on home. It's a costly thing. There's a lot of, there's no shame involved, even though you know that that son, when he came back, it was de- he was dead, supposed, you know, in so- his society, he was dead to the, uh, the family, and he was dead to the culture. And as he was coming back, he wasn't coming back as a son. He was coming back as an orphan. I'll, I'll come back if you can just let me be with one of the servants because that food would be better than where I, where I was at. They would have stoned him. Matter of fact, in our growth group uh, two weeks ago, John said, you know, it could be, and that's what's cool about Jesus when he gives you these parables, you get to speculate. It could be that the father ran out, greeted, greeted the uh, younger brother to protect him. He throws on the robe as fast as he can. Get a robe on this guy because he's a son. So they're not throwing rocks at him, especially that older brother. Interesting thought, isn't it? He comes back. I, I, the, the, it might be hard for younger brothers to get home for all the shame and the fear of judgment, stones that are going to be thrown. And the father runs out. He says, no, no, don't do that. That's where the father's heart is really revealed. I was, uh, I, I had a, well, actually, all of us are going to find ourselves sometimes in the older brother camp where we find ourselves judging people, our heart getting a little hard, some of us are way out there. Some of us are just a little, a little ways out. All the time, uh, a lot of the time, we're going to find sometimes that we're the younger brother. Where we've, we've drifted in our own freedom. Uh, we have decided that this is what's best for us, and we start heading off uh, to Vegas or the beach. And sometimes you're called on to be the father. Sometimes uh, you... Uh, need to express the Father's heart. Do you realize in this story right here, there's a Father who expresses His unconditional love. And now He's going to do that through you. Sometimes you are going to express the Father's love in unconditional acceptance to sons and daughters that can't find their way back or sons and daughters that are right here in the hood but hearts are hard. That's an interesting thing. I, I was um, a, uh, one of us, a brother came up to me this morning, leaving it vague because the story's not complete and we'll tell it when it, uh, uh, when it plays out to the full. But he comes and says, you know, I was really wrestling 
with this older, that I, as an older brother, I'm supposed to go get my younger brother because I can't do that. Sent me the clip from River Runs Through It. Um, and boy, that resonates, you know, about that younger son, younger brother that's out. And, and he says, you know, I just can't go get him. And then uh, he said he was on a ride, a drive for hours and hours, and just wrestling with God. He says, you know, I'm right. You know, I'm right. I can't go get him. By the end of the drive, he just sensed God say, call your brother. Call your brother. And he calls his brother, the one far away, and uh, no answer. And then immediately, the guy calls back. Hey! He was waiting for a call from his brother. He was waiting for a call. And uh, what, that, what, that, uh, what our brother did <laughs> is what he did is he dropped the hard heart of the older brother and took on the heart of the father and expressed his heart to his brother and took the first step. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, uh, we'll do that in a minute. That's coming up. But that's what we do. We express the heart of the Father. Matter of fact, pretty sure, I don't know, uh, there's no fourth person in the story except for the servant, uh, and uh, maybe, maybe there's an application there, but I think you're either the older brother, the younger brother, or got the opportunity to express the heart of the Father so far. Whether it's your own kids. See, the problem in the church is that uh, we don't have enough spiritual fathers and mothers. We've got, we got actual fathers and mothers, right? But we need spiritual fathers and mothers where we are, we are taking responsibility of expressing the Father's heart to those uh, that are in our sphere. You know, not just your actual family, but here in the house. Who right now is your spiritual father and mother? A number of them, I hope. Who right now are you a spiritual father or mother to? they may not be able to find their way home. They won't be able to find their way home if, if, if they don't know that they can't get unconditional acceptance. No condemnation. That's, that's you and me. Yeah. My daughter, Mackenzie, listens to all these sermons, takes them really to heart, which is pretty cool. Uh, and she actually said, but she, she, uh, she called me last week and said, Dad, Dad, I'm just so grieved, I'm so burdened that uh, I'm so much the older brother and I'm so much the uh, younger brother all at the same time. And, uh, you know, Dad, and, and, and she was really upset uh, about it. And I go, well, you read the rest of it, right? You, you read the rest of the story. Let me, let me just... Emphasize the rest of the story, Mackenzie. What does the father do? The father doesn't say, hey, I'm so glad you're back. Personal peace for you now. That's awesome alone. Yeah, you're at peace. No longer at war with yourself in those circumstances. He doesn't say that. He throws a party. It says, when he's, when he's talking to the other bro- older brother that he's pleading with, he says, we had to celebrate we had to celebrate. You know, celebration, that's God's idea. He's the God of celebration. We, we just like the party because we were made in his image. He's the one who celebrates. He's the original MC. Give you that one, buddy. <laughs> you know that was a Danielism. 
Yeah, he's the one. That came up. You go all through the Old Testament. You see example of feasts and set some stones up. Get out the fatted calf. Pop a cork. Woo! Look what God has done here. Don't forget what God has done here. You know how the whole book ends, right? The book doesn't end with just a bunch of personal uh, salvation stories and you turn into a disembodied spirit that's a little bigger deal than you are right now. It ends up in a party. Those are other religions. It ends up in a party. A feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb. That's where this ends up, a table. This is really cool news, by the way. Jesus. So, the first miracle Jesus does is at a wedding in John chapter 2. And I've always looked at this and kind of thought, this is sort of a screwball miracle uh, in a way. Why? I can't come up with the meaning of this miracle too much because it's like uh, you're at the party, they run out of wine, and then your nagging mom tells you to do something to get some new wine, and you're going to do some hocus-pocus magic, boom, and pop that 450 gallons of, of uh, ceremonial water into wine so they can, the party can go on. That's, I guess the moral of that story is you should obey your mom. No, you know what it says right after Jesus turns this ceremonial water into wine? And then the wine master, or the, the master of ceremonies comes and says, you brought out the best for the end. Who does that? And then it says, this he did as a sign. It's a sign. A sign of what? A sign of what Jesus is bringing. What Jesus is bringing is a kingdom. John the Baptist came doing a, a, a baptism of repentance. Jesus came eating and drinking with sinners. He is bringing a kingdom, and in the kingdom, it is a celebration. And it's, it, it is, and it's becoming more and more and more. Wow. That's what, that's what Jesus did. He actually br- came to bring a party. That is incredible. That's why, that's why he did it. He wanted you to see it's about festival joy. It's about having fun around what God has fun about. You know, see, it's a party that's not just like, okay, uh, well, I don't even know how to describe a kind of menial party. It's a party where the Father is involved in the party. He didn't just pay for it, and you guys have it. He's, he's there. You got, by the way, the Jews couldn't even say the name Yahweh. And he's talking about a father who wants to have a party with you. Completely revolutionary. I love the imagery where he pulls up his, his, his cloak and he runs out to the sun. He's not dignified. He's not dignified. I was, one of the things I do uh, when I'm thinking of the word, praying in the, into the word, Lord, show me uh, how you feel in this thing right here. Show me your, show me your heart in this, and I was walking along, and I was immediately filled with uh, what I think is the how, the how the Lord sees it when my when the kids are home. I asked him, "Show me what you feel like when the kids are home," because that's what we're talking about—a party when the kids are home. <laughs> Let's do it again, really quick. We won't go the whole second team. It's got to be loud. That was like. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's good. 
You know what happens in my house when the kids are home? They came in from the north and they came in from the east and they were all home and without, you don't do, there's no orchestration or anything. One of them is going to, uh, not anymore, hit the button. <laughs> now it's going to, you know, uh, put the thing on and, and everybody's going to start dancing. And I picked it up, picked my phone up because the kids are home and I, and I just shot the video. And, uh, uh, I, you know, so much fun as a dad to watch the kids having fun. So I, I, I texted that, my video of my kids uh, to Daniel, and I said, the kids are home. And then in about uh, 30 seconds later, he shoots one back with uh, Eli and Selah, and they're busting a move on the floor uh, all over the place. And, uh, you know, it was so fun because uh, all of the way since they were just little kids, back in Eli's side, we have been... Uh, uh, we have been dancing and having fun. Well, I had to put the phone down and get in the dancing. You know what I mean? Uh, I, had to get in, I had to get in on it because old dad can get his groove thing on. They, they make serious fun of me uh, to this day. Um, less fun when they were little, but now, now they make a lot of fun of me. But um, when the kids are home, uh, you know what? We're going to make a massive table of sushi. We make it all together. And, uh, you know, we got our chopsticks, some are better than others, and uh, we, we just pound a whole thing of sushi. Then we're doing our dishes, and as soon as the dishes start, the music comes on, and they start dancing. And then everybody's dancing, and we're not getting the dishes done. And, um, and then we'll sit down and play Exploding Kittens now. Uh, super crazy game, get it, it's way fun. Uh, Gwen always wins, I don't know why, because she's terrible at games, but... <laughs> She just does. And, uh, but I was sitting there uh, this last time at Christmas watching the kids interact, joking, laughing, teasing, strategizing, completely free, and just feeling uh, the, the, the joy of what it's like to have the kids home. And then I kind of got caught up in it, forgot about that, and I just started goofing with them, playing, uh, uh, you know, I like to sing a lot when I'm playing Exploding Kittens. I believe it's a strategy that sort of distracts them and I can win. Um, but uh, I, it was like the Father's heart was right there. This is what it is. This is how I feel when the kids are home. I want to I participate in your party. The Father's saying, I want to be a part of your party. I'm here to, par- I'm here to, I'm here to party with you. Isn't that crazy? No, there's three parties in this portion of Scripture right here. There's three of them. There's the party of the younger brother who goes to Vegas. Right? He goes in his freedom to find his own way. Jackie Edelman and I, we were in our, in our, in our Thursday night. What night do we have? Wednesday night growth group, yeah. Our Wednesday night growth group, uh, we were talking about Vegas, and she was, uh, uh, worked in Vegas uh, for a, a number of years. And she says, very interesting. See if I get this right. It's very interesting. The front side of Vegas looks like fun and is very appealing. But just around the corner in the shadows and in the alley are the people who are, she didn't say this, but I can visualize it, skeletons. The people who were, they, the party ran out. And it didn't, it didn't work. And I really see a whole world of people who are in some form or another going to that party in my own freedom to have my own fun. But it works like a, 
a drug cycle. You got a party, and then the, but the fall is hard. So you party harder, greater, costlier. And, but the fall is harder until finally it's just the fall. And you're in a pig pen. And you can't find your way home. But that's the party that most people are, 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 are looking for right now. There's another party, you know, a party, uh, uh, just more on that. There's a, a party where the relationships are shallow. The fun is temporary. It's a lot more costly than you ever thought it was going to run you. Stays a lot longer, that thing. There's another party, it's not too obvious, but I think uh, you can connect it. There is the party of the older brother. He says to his father, you didn't even give me a lamb for, to eat with my friends. We got our own little friend party. And, and, you, you didn't, and the father says, hey, I gave you everything. It's all yours already. You could have done whatever you wanted with it. But the older brother has a party. It's a party that nobody wants to go to. Who wants to go to the party of the older brother? A party where there's a bunch of right people who are pretty sure they're doing the right thing and you're not. Probably a pretty cynical place. Sarcastic kind of party. You know, all those people in the world right now, all those people maybe in our town and valley right now, what do they think this is? Which party do they think this is? There's obviously three, but which one? Well, <laughs> they're not coming to it, right? That doesn't look like a party. You know, one of the problems with the church is it, looks, it must be a party of older, older brothers because nobody wants to come. There's no fun. There'd be no reason. Why would you want to go to a party and be judged? That's what they, that's what they think is going to happen at this party. They think they're going to come, get judged. You're going to tell me what's wrong with me. You're going to tell me what you want, and you probably want my money. Yeah. Our parties stink. Nobody wants to come. I was going to say that differently. Yeah, that's a sad thing, huh? That's a sad thing, especially when the Father paints a picture of what his parties are like. When he paints a picture of what his parties are like, where we celebrate what he celebrates. When we celebrate what he celebrates, that's the third party, the party of the Father. We have to celebrate because this is what happened. This guy was dead. Now he's alive. You can't not celebrate that. You, you can't. You know, like, for example, take uh, last week, Josh got baptized. All right, we couldn't even, he couldn't even get uh, done with his uh, testimony, and you all start clapping. Then we dunk him down, he comes back up, and you're all clapping. Spontaneous. We didn't have applause up there. <laughs> because that is something to party about. A son that was lost has come home. Oh, man. Get out the fatted calf. Start the potluck. Get the water warm. Let's have a party. The Father's in it. Yeah. Transformed lives. People who were wayward are home. 
Oh, people who needed healing get it. Relationships healed. Together, us, around a table with a Father who loves us. That's why we're we're, uh, emphasizing baptism. How'd that go off the grid? That was a party waiting to happen. You know? That's the story of this thing. It's not just uh, a path back for your personal peace. It's a path back to a party. It's a path back to uh, fellowship with him and with one another in a way that can't happen anywhere else. Because Father God can change a heart. Father God can change a life. Father God can make what was lost found. Even if you're the older brother, you can let that hard heart go and come to the party. If you're the younger brother, you can, you can come back. You can come back. We'll celebrate. If we're going to do, do what Jesus is telling, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be a good laugh. We're going to bust a move together, kind of, in the Lord. It's all about the table. That's why he left the table. It's not in here right now because it's going to be out there today. As we fellowship around the, the, the table and our potluck, we're going to do communion together out there. As we fellowship and share in the table that he left. Pretty cool. I, I just happen to, I love what the Father's saying here. I worked on this thing, closing with this. I, uh, last night, I put my head down on my pillow. This is kind of how I roll. Is there anything else you want to tell me, Lord, about what I'm getting ready to talk about? And, and, it, and you know, I just love the way the Lord kind of softly prompts. And he goes, be a party looking for people. Be a party looking for people. Because people are looking for a party. Be a party looking for people. To me, that meant wherever I roll, I want to roll in the joy of the Lord with something that somebody wants. Whenever I'm with you and we're brothers, man, sisters, let's, let's, are we a party that people want to come to? I say yes. I say yes, you are. I say that he's saying, people, have fun in me. There's no condemnation. You are free to have a good time in the Lord. It's not just about coming home. It's about coming home, being together, being in fellowship with him and one another. Be a party looking for people. So let me pray for you now, especially uh, for... the spiritual fathers and mothers who are looking for prodigals. Lord, oh, we thank you so much that you are a God that wants to be with us. And Lord, uh, we want to intercede right now as uh, spiritual fathers and mothers for those sons and daughters that are far away right now. We want to put on your heart for them. And I pray that you will work in our heart right now, Lord, to release our hurt and pain. We know that you uh, have suffered more than we could ever suffer even as you've watched your children uh, hurt themselves and be far from you. 
So we give that over to you, Lord, and we pray that you, through us, um, will bring those, father, those sons and daughters home. We pray for uh, prodigals and older brothers from everywhere to come back home, Lord. We're praying. Um, many people right now, Lord, I know their heart uh, is heavy or certainly uh, somebody on their mind right now, Lord. I pray that you uh, just put a glimmer of hope that you are working, that there is a path back. Yes, Lord, I pray um, for faith and believing that they'll come, they're on their way, even though it seems far. Lord, for those uh, younger brothers who are caught up in the consequences of their freedom and the circumstances, you don't even ask what those circumstances are. You just say, come on home. I pray that we can see them come, Lord. And Lord, you're pleading with us right now, the older brothers. Uh, Lord, you're pleading with us to come into the party to release our judgment and our hurt and our anger to be with you and your people. So I pray that you will work this at this time, in this moment now, in Jesus' name. And we're gonna stand and, and celebrate, sing, but I want a prayer team, elders around the side. Um, if you're a uh, mom or dad or spiritual mom or dad, and there's somebody that you want prayer for, uh, I want you to come up while we're singing and, and just say, pray for, don't say, need to say their name or anything, but this person. And they'll pray uh, a blessing and a path back for whoever's on your heart. I'm assuming that we don't have enough prayer team for that. Uh, so um, after you've prayed with somebody, why don't you turn around and pray with somebody who needs prayer for that, okay? And we'll minister to one another. So uh, as we sing, um, let's pray and celebrate. They're coming home. <laughs>